0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW.
1: Easy, number one. Let's find out what it is we're dealing with. Agreed, Captain. Number one, I don't believe that the location of the crash, the proximity of the creature, is a coincidence. <laughs> Commander William Riker of the U.S.S. Enterprise. I am Arbus, why are you here? We mean you no harm. We have injured crewmen. In the shuttlecraft, we need to get to them. May we pass. You haven't given me a good enough reason. Preserving life, all life, is very important to us. Why? We believe everything in the universe has a right to exist.
2: An interesting
1: notion which I do not share.
0: Good morning, London. It is Thursday, February 7, 2013. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we'll be
3: with you from now until noon.
0: No, no, not right wing. Just right
1: color and black and white under the
0: Everything will be And once again welcome to the show where 5196613600 is the number you can reach us to join the conversation or email us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. And today we are going to, basically, it's, I guess it's a larger theme with two sub-themes in it, a little bit, is it, Robert? I'm not sure. You're going to be looking at the nature of the beast. The nature of the beast, yes, yes and evil. And the beast of evil. And I'm going to be talking about a trip to, from hell to utopia, and maybe back again, uh, based on some ideas of some libertarians and conservatives who think they can sort of reinvent the uh, so-called American dream. And we'll talk about that in the second half of the show. But first, I guess you're going to start off, um, I think you have some announcements, don't you? Yeah, there's a few announcements
3: I'd like to make. First off, of course, uh, Bob and I are shocked to hear of the assassination attempt. Mm. Hmm. Past Tuesday on um, a former guest of Just Right, Lars Hedegaard, is the president of the Free Press Society and editor of Dispatch International, a new newspaper in Europe which he... Fe- which we featured on this program on September 21st of last year. Dispatch mm-hmm. International and Lars have been critically, uh, openly critical of the creeping Sharia laws in Europe and of political Islam. The na- National Post had this account of the event Mr. Hedegaard, 70, said the gunman rang the doorbell of his apartment building in Copenhagen Tuesday on the pretext of delivering a package. When he opened the front door, the man pulled out a gun and fired a shot that narrowly missed him. The bullet flew past my ear, after which I attacked him and punched him in the face, which made him lose the gun, Hedegaard said. Our thoughts are with Lars and also, of course, with Ingrid Karlkvis, the Swedish, did I say Swedish?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Swedish co-editor, who now also fears for her life. This cowardly act only goes to underscore the absolute necessity of Lars' warnings about the Islamification of Europe. And I wish him well. I personally interviewed Lars and Ingrid on September 15th of last year in Toronto, and videos of these interviews can be found on Just Rate's YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash media. all one word, or just get it directly from our website at justratemedia.org. You don't want to be opening your doors for the next little while, eh? (laughs) Well, I'm just a journalist, or journalist wannabe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also this week, I posted on YouTube interviews I had with Dr. Bill Warner of politicalislam.com and with Tennessee uh, Representative Judd Matheny. Both interviews were conducted on November 25th and in Toronto. Dr. Warner appeared as a guest on this show on November 29th as a phone-in guest. Our YouTube channel has passed two milestones this week, Bob, but I didn't know if you are aware of this or mm-hmm. not, with uh, our numbers of subscribers surpassing the 100 mark. Wow. And the number of uh, video views passing the 25,000 mark. So a lot of people out there are getting our message, and I think that's just great. You should also know that Just Right is now available on iTunes. Um, a request has been made <laughs> several times by several people to get our show on iTunes and finally done it. You can find us under Podcasts, News and Politics in the iTunes Store, or just click on the link on our website. I've got a little link there called iTunes. Click on that, and you'll go right to our uh, our posts on iTunes. I've posted the past eight episodes at this time with plans to post more archive show, as time permits. And, of course, the
0: current shows will always be
3: posted. current show will always yeah. be posted, usually about uh, 6, 7 o'clock that evening. Hopefully, with fingers crossed, yeah. if nothing happens.
0: <laughs> I know what that's about. <laughs>
3: So, let's get into the nature of the beast, and this Thursday's attempt on Lars Hedegaard's life is just one example of evil which fits in with my thesis today, and that is power. Politics, it's a pursuit of power, not necessarily to do good or even evil, although that's been done. Politics is generally a pursuit of power for its own sake. Most of the parties in power today have very little to distinguish themselves
0: from one another. And I think we've done this ad nauseum on this show. There's very
3: little difference.
0: That very statement you made, if people are wondering why our politicians act the way they do, that statement answers the question. Power for yeah, it. They're sake. not doing it for any rational reason. <laughs> they're doing it. Well, for that's rational. Well, for them, it's not rational. Well, well you're you right. Mean. It's not rational because.
3: Well, I'll get into why yeah. it's not rational actually. But you're yeah. absolutely right. In yeah. other words, it makes sense to them, but it is irrational in the broader sense. Of I the thought
0: word. that 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 uh, that opening we had from, uh, I think it was called "The Skin of Evil." That episode yes. from Star Trek: uh, Next Generation, where the captain goes, "Let's find out what we're dealing with," and he says, "I don't believe the proximity." of the crash and the creature are a coincidence. Well, you could say that about our situation today. If you're talking about the crash being our economic system coming up, the crash we're heading for, the creature being the type of politicians we have, their proximity to what's happening is not a coincidence. No, of course. They're to blame. It's causal.
3: So, we're going to get back to all all the parties we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) All of the people I was just talking about in power, they all seem to stand for one principle or another on the crowded political spectrum. But once in power, they do whatever they determine it takes to stay in power. That's it. Politicians are driven by the polls and by this lust for power. Just take Stephen Harper a conservative who rose to fame by leading a group of reformers who sought to reform the Senate into a triple E Senate, reduce government spending, adopt policies driven by referenda, amongst a host of other reforms, including openness in decision-making. But once in power, Mr. Harper finds himself having to abandon these ideas in favor of doing what he perceives as not necessarily what's best for the country, but what's best to get re-elected and remain in power. I'm quite actually surprised, Bob, that another reform party has not risen from the current Conservatives or from others, especially in the West, to counter the Marxist policies of our current uh, Conservative government. Whether it's the Conservatives, the Liberals, or the New Democrats in power in Canada, or the Republicans or Democrats in the United States... ...or the Conservatives or Labour or the Lib Dems in the UK... ...all of them act with one defining characteristic... ...and that being doing whatever it takes... ...regardless of their promises, policies or planks or principles... ...to get re-elected into power. No wonder we don't trust them. No wonder we're so cynical.
0: Because they're all a bunch of liars. Yeah, but isn't it, you know... ...if, if someone were to look at that it, just in its raw sense... ...wouldn't wouldn't that mean if you're into power... you got to be doing what the people want? that you have to... Yeah, and I'm going to get into that, oh, too. Oh, you are? Okay,
3: I'll yeah, keep my mind the <laughs> it's not only the politicians. It's not only okay. the politicians I'm going to be talking about here, but the people who put them there. Right. Now, b- by the way, there are some rare exceptions, but only rare exceptions to this lust for power, for power's sake. But such people or parties being honest with the people almost never managed to make it into government. Other than this one defining characteristic of politicians of all supposed stripes... There's one other that binds them all together. And that characteristic is the extent, degree, and willingness to violate our rights. They just don't give a damn. And they don't have to be uh, elected politicians. They can be presidents of charitable organizations, the common thief or murderer, or even corporate executives. I spoke in a recent show of The Nature... Of individual rights and how they're not something granted to us by other men or governments but are something which exists due to our nature as individual rational human beings basically we're born with rights we must deal with others on a contractual basis in a society it's false to think that man is either a loner or a social animal he's neither he's a contractual animal deriving benefit mm. from dealing peacefully with others in a society which prohibits the use of force, fraud, coercion, or the initiation of violence. Unfortunately, as was alluded to in our opening clip from Star Trek The Next Generation, not everyone agrees with this notion. Those who do not agree, I'll call the violators. Another term could very well be The aggressors.
0: I call them just rights violators. (laughs) (laughs) The difference of only being which rights they would violate between them. That's the only. Yeah. Those who would use power
3: and force on another human being rather than dealing contractually and without the consent of the people they deal with. These are the violators. And I've tried lately to come up with that single term to describe that single characteristic between, for example, the Islamist who try to kill somebody for daring to discuss Islam or draw a cartoon of Muhammad, and the so-called liberal who would tax us into poverty and the conservative who'd jail us for smoking pot, or the libertarian who'd deny us the protection of a proper government, or the Marxists who'd destroy the producers among us, or the Nazis who'd kill a race of people. The list is, unfortunately, endless. But not least on the list is the neighbor, who, in attempt to keep his hands clean of the atrocities and violations perpetrated in his name, Votes for and supports tacitly and morally each of these kinds of aggressors. And that's what I was getting at, too, mm-hmm. Bob. It's not just the elected politicians, it's virtually everybody out there. Yeah. Your neighbors, the persons you walk by on the street, the persons driving their car next to you. If they voted for this stuff, they are complicit in the actions of the people who commit these violations on our rights. We're going to
0: take a little break here. Bob, do you want to introduce the clip you selected for this? Yes, this is from uh, the movie In the Face of Evil, which was, I don't even know how old that was, but it was actually a feature on Ronald Reagan, although we won't be hearing anything about him in this particular clip, I I believe. But um, it basically gives a very quick overview of the history of the world since the beginning of the 20th century. Oh, and, and we got about two-minute clip of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and it says most of what you wanted to say in terms of de- defining the beast. They're talking about the beast, right? And that is the phrase that they actually used. Actually, I think it's a, an apt
3: term. It describes a certain animal nature, doesn't it? Without yeah. Reason, well, someone without who's devouring
0: others. Yes. Right. That's the, that's the nature of the beast, pardon yeah. the pun, right? Someone who devours others. You and I talked about uh, what kind of word, single word,
3: we can use to define these people, these violators. And uh, you seem to like the word
0: reds. Well, reds defines their ideology. Uh, y- you could say beast, you could say monster to define how some people are. Certainly a lot of the dictators of the world could be described as monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, which is considered one of the lowest forms of anything you could be insulted and still be allowed to say it in public you know um, but that's all I can say about that I mean actually we, the word monster freedom has yet to be discovered it's interesting you use the word
3: monster I think the actual dictionary definition or the etymology of monster mm-hmm. is a deformed baby a baby who comes out deformed is that right yeah and it's this deformity of their psyche and of the mind I think that defines these kinds of people who would violate our rights because they're uh they cannot seem to live peacefully in society without trying to
0: control other people. And again, that implies, is a that, that implies, though, that, that, quote, they're deformed. They don't have any uh, volition over how they're acting, right? That would suggest no, that, I, that, no, that they're I would acting suggest that, way. that
3: Well, yeah, I can see where you can think that. But no, I think they are volitionally doing this, which makes it all the more evil. Well, let's have a
0: review of this history, shall we? Okay. Okay. Back after this.
4: The 20th century began with a gunshot. July, 1914. The assassination of unknown members of European royalty triggered the collapse of the old order, ushering in mankind's bloodiest and most barbaric century. One that would culminate with 150 million casualties. The trenches, the slaughter pens of the First World War, destroyed more than the hopes of Europe's youth. They shattered its Victorian sensibilities, agrarian ideals, human values. From this fever swamp, rose a beast, one that played upon man's yearning for a utopian solution to its abject misery, a quasi-religious criminal, taking the form of a political messiah. The beast embodied Nietzsche's will to power, stopping at nothing to achieve its ends. It fed off mankind's dark side, his fears, his prejudices, his ancient hatreds. Reaching out, first to convert, then turning in to destroy. That was the nature of the beast. It came with many faces, many names. Bolshevism, fascism, Communism, Nazism.
1: <laughs>
4: Lenin, Mussolini, Hitler, Tojo, Stalin. But always and everywhere, regardless of the name or face, the goal remained the same. Control of the state and power. Power as an end unto itself.
1: have reached a moment of crisis the enemy have discovered our operation but they are too late they no longer control the ship we do we shall prevail they will take us any place we desire so back to your stations
4: maintain your controls if resistance mounts call upon their
1: beasts their beast will serve us well the fear in each one of them is the beast which will consume him. Remember how it was on Triactus? If they resist, so shall it be on the Enterprise. If you need me, call, and I will appear. Our new goal is Marcus Twelve. It is our new beginning. We must not falter.
3: It's interesting, Bob, in that first clip that the uh, narrator talked about
0: quasi-religious yeah, individuals. Did you pick up on that? Mm-hmm. What do you think she meant by that? Uh, quasi-religious criminals, she said. Criminals, yes. yes. Um, what did she mean by that? Yeah. Oh, I imagine a lot of the uprisings in the East, all the uh, religious wars going on in the world, people who are self-justified in what they do. Uh, God is on our side. God is they on think. our side, that kind of thing. And, of course, she's talking about the Nietzsche... Will to power thing too, which a lot of people have. Uh, You know, that's almost a natural inclination of people because everybody wants to control something. I get into that. Oh, do you? I do indeed.
3: But um, I'm also thinking when I listen to that clip of the conspiracy theories that abound because people want to look at all the evil that's going on around them and try to come up with a single solitary cause. And for example, a friend of mine posted on my Facebook page the other day a conspiracy theory. Video. I think it was called Tavistock Psychic Experimentation or something. Mm -hmm. I don't give it much credence, of course, but um, it's the attempt to try to find uh, people behind all of this madness. The Illuminati, for example. Oh, it's all the bankers, or it's the Rockefellers, or it's the Illuminati. And, um, well, no. It's each and every one of us. It's in our nature, I think, to control, as you just said. But not necessarily control people you know ideas may be evil but it's the people who support and condone and promote evil ideas who are just as guilty as for example the cop who strip searches a man whose only crime is that his daughter drew a picture of a gun in school or the soldier who lines up the Jews and homosexuals above their open grave or the tax collector who invades a business to audit their books and steal their profits with of course the um, intention of sharing the wealth Or the prison guard who turns a blind eye to beatings and abuse by inmates on fellow inmates. Aggressors, violators, or any other name we wish to give them have this one thing in common. They seek control and power over others. They don't respect their fellow man and allow him to pursue his own peaceful life. They mock the good for being the good and the productive for being productive. They have a sense of arrogance and entitlement and a claim on the lives of their neighbors. There's a beast lurking in their souls, a desire to control and dominate to make the world into their ghastly image, to make the world conform to their whims and wishes. And this is going to get to your point, Bob, when you talk about it's a natural for people to want to control. In order for man to survive, he must alter the world he lives in, the physical world, He must use his muscle to plow the field and harvest the trees and mine the metals. He must use his mind to fashion tools and to build shelters. Control and power over the physical world is natural, and it's even necessary and good. But to extend this control and power over another rational adult is just outright evil. The use of force, aggression, fraud, coercion, It's all around us. It's both subtle and obvious. From the fact that we go to work every day knowing full well in the back of our minds that the government will rob us of half of the earnings our employer is willing to pay us, we've become accustomed to this theft and have become resigned to our slavery. It's obvious when we see, for example, aboriginals occupy train tracks with OPP officers joining in their protests rather than arresting them as the courts have instructed. It's subtle in the way we're forbidden to smoke in a private drinking establishment, even though the owner would allow it if he could. And it's obvious when we see thousands of men and women and children corralled in Toronto, for example, when, while black block thugs go unmolested as they torch police cars. You know, the evil beast dwells in the minds and hearts of the vast majority of us, Consider your own thoughts and actions during, for example, the last election. Were you voting to get something for nothing? Were you voting to protect free health care or free education, deliberately blanking out the fact that such services require massive taxation loads on not only yourself but your neighbor? If so, then you're a violator. You are committing an evil act in voting to get these things at the expense of others. Oh, sure, you're not the one physically holding the gun to the head of your neighbor. You contract that out to the police. They're the ones with the guns. You're only participating in an election. How evil can that be? Well, it's just as evil as as if you went up to your neighbor, put a revolver to his head and demanded he pay for your health care, your education, protect your job from so-called scabs, or subsidize your electricity. Only those who reject this philosophy of sacrifice can be said to lead a moral life, a life of integrity and honor. Only the complete rejection of force on your fellow man can you be considered good. Any initiation of force, and I distinguish here between the initiation of force and the force used in defense, any initiation of force is evil if even in the slightest degree. And anyone who supports it, or votes for it, or does it himself is is a person whose beast is out of control and should be contemned, for
0: they are the violators. What do you have to say to that, Bob? Do you agree? Yes. However, we have to be very dangerous or very very careful about that dangerous word, force. And when and how it should be used. Well if I it, do make the distinction between the initiation of True. force and force used into self defence or defence. We're going to be hearing in the second half hour an interesting discussion between uh, Glenn Beck and Penn Gillette on that very issue, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's interesting because, I, like when you said, uh, when we're talking about Nietzsche's and his will to power, I always used to say, jokingly, that we're all born fascists. Okay? <laughs> we, we all come into this world. It's true. Well, <laughs> it's true. <That's laughs> yep. Because... Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, you're a little beast when you're born. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everything is about you right so maturity requires connecting to reality that's right and once you connect to reality the beast disappears as we will hear in the the amazing clip that we have coming out coming out of this half hour actually what you just said is fascinating Bob
3: if you think about childhood you're born without the cognitive um, ability to make uh, distinctions. You don't even have language. And it's the adoption Mm -hmm. of language to be able to communicate with others. You realize and you start to develop a sense of empathy for others. And that's where rights start coming into play because then you have to realize that you have to deal with others as they would deal with you. And you realize
0: it not because of a fear of force but because of your own self-interest.
3: Of your own self-interest. It makes sense to do it. That's right.
0: That's right. And it's only people who are um,
3: psychologically immature who result uh, to a resort to force to get what they want that's the definition of greed that's the definition of the the bad term selfishness right Mm.
0: um
3: it is the use of force on others to get what you want regardless of the short uh, long-term consequences they're only thinking short-term long-term you want to deal contractually with people peacefully
0: without force you know Somebody came up with that phrase. Is, is it unintended consequences? Was that the phrase? Mm. Where you you do one thing and that works. You get what you want, maybe, whatever it is. But the side effects of that action that you're doing are, are horrendous in so many other ways. Yes. Um, you know this country is almost defined by its health care, like we have, quote, free health care. Yes, right, right. How was it defined before
3: we had that in 67? Well... (laughs) I always go back to that, sorry.
0: Who knows? Pierre Trudeau was going to set the stage for us from that point on. But without thinking about it, you know, everybody's wondering, well, how is the province, you know, with McGinty resigning now, how are we going to get out of this mess? And the only way to get out of the mess is to deal with the health care issue. You've got to take health care off the budget. Yep. And unless you do we're going down all of us. We're going to, you know, so Greece is going to look like a like a holiday at some point because that inevitability is coming. It's happening in the United States. And all of the politicians are merely trying to put off the inevitable and get out before the worst happens. And how you can look at those kind of numbers and debts and think that nothing's going to happen or it's just going to go on as usual is is beyond me. And to continue to want the benefit that's causing the problem is an even deeper problem. And that has to be addressed in a lot of other ways. The, you know the, you know, the sad thing of it all is? We could get everything we want at a fraction of the cost if we just lived in a free society and That's did everything right. by, by contract. We yes. could have almost free medicine, as close to free... Li- literally, you know, if, if, you, if everyone was honest, had private insurance dealt with their doctor directly, no government in between. And, of course, the same applies for, for, with, uh, with uh, Any the issue. education system. Yep. And you can go on all the way through. And so when people are wondering what's wrong with society, it's very simple. We seem to think that it's okay to rob each other for the common good. Yes. And, 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 listen, you can't do individual bad and then expect to come up with common good, Right? Well said. Because you put all those individuals together. Sure, there's a few that are going to benefit, the ones at the top who are stealing, but eventually the numbers catch up with you. And I'm not here to suggest this is going to be some big horrendous crash and Satan will come down out of the sky and curse us all into hell and damnation. As I said, a crash could be a whimper. We could go out with a whimper. We could become a a stagnant, un you know, unmoving forward society It'd for a, a like century. A s- if We It'd wanted be like the if Soviet Union. Yeah, it, for seventy
3: years, the Soviet Union was just that: lineups to get a loaf of bread, people living the toilet and,
0: paper you didn't have. Yeah, I mean, people it,
3: living it, it, day to day, uh, a complete uh, depression
0: there for generations. You see, the Soviet Union was a utopia, and everyone's looking for utopias, and that is why all the criminals are utopians. All of them. They all want some kind of utopia, some kind of place where I don't have to expend effort to exist. And that is the root of all evil in the world, I think. And that when people try to avoid that at the expense of others, there you have the manifestation of evil. And from that come all of our mythologies, our religions, and everything, that are just personifications of those things that we do to each other. Yes. You know, and that's really what's happening. And um, Oh, we're already at the bottom of the hour. I guess it's time to listen to Captain Kirk. What again? Yeah. Again, <laughs> yes. You know, I, I I always hated this particular episode. By the way, I didn't really like it a lot. It wasn't one of my favorites. But, uh, and the children shall lead. Yeah, it was kind of, eh, so so. But I it's like a third season one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like the message the symbolism in it was awesome yes it was really well done That's from a symbolic point of view but that's what they that's what they were able to do with a show like that take the symbolism which is what religion does and, and all sorts of other faiths and things like that they take the symbolism and turn it into their story yes and then that's the story by which people live their lives so shall we go it's time for a break. And when we come back, the next voice you'll hear, when we return from our messages in the break, will be the voices of Glenn Beck and Penn Gillette. And then after you hear them talk for a few minutes, we'll have a few things to say about what they had to say. Shall we? We'll be back.
3: Yeah.
1: Time has come to see the world as it is. Come on. Who has summoned me? I did, Gogan. My beast is gone. It lost its power in the light of reality. I command again. And I ordered you here. No, Captain. I command. My followers are strong and faithful and obedient. That's why we take what is ours wherever we go. You take from those who do not know you. And we know you. Then you know I must win, Captain. Not if we join together to fight you. Foolish. You will be destroyed. I would ask you to join me, but you were gentle, and that is a grave weakness. We are also very strong. Ah, but your strength is cancelled by your gentleness. You are full of goodness. Such as you cannot be changed. You are like the parents. You must be eliminated. Children, I have pictures of some of you on Triacus. I'd like to show them to you. Would you like to see them? Mr. Spock, the pictures. I forbid it. Why should you fear it? I fear nothing. So we were told.
5: If we have a town square and... Um, and, uh, you know, all of the people on the street, they decide they're going to they're pay for all of the decorations and everything else. And they're going to put them up as long as it doesn't cost the city anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have a problem with that. Uh, if it's not on public property. It can't be on but public why property. why can't it be on public because property? Because I'm paying for that. Yeah, but, again, go, let me go back to Thomas Jefferson. Had no problem as long as it's not an endorsement of one religion. As long as it's not, oh, by the way, you can't be mayor. Unless you believe what I believe. that That's what their real problem is. Right. And you also know, and I, I'm, I'm sure
2: you're fighting this, but there are many places in this country where you cannot hold public office if you are an atheist. Did you yeah, know that? I, no, I'm not, but I would fight that. Yeah, of course you would. Uh, but I would just say it's such an easy fix. It's such an easy fix to just say if the whole town wants this, let the whole town privately buy a lot and do whatever they want. But the whole
5: town did buy the park.
2: Well, the whole town did buy the park with the government force. And that's the part. You want to use as little government force as possible. You want as much freedom as possible. So let's say there's one guy in the town Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to speak about his religion. He believes it's private. Mm -hmm. And let's say his religion isn't even atheist, he's not even atheist, It's not even non-religion. It's, uh, it's, it's some religion that uh, is a, it's an offshoot of Christianity that doesn't overlap uh, Christmas. And he doesn't want to speak about this because of his job and other places uh, he's, he's going to be. And he doesn't want his neighbors to know that. That's his personal right. We've checked that in the Supreme Court a zillion times. It's his personal right. Then the town says, we all want this. And he doesn't speak up against it. He's still paying for that. And it's so easy for the majority... Uh, you know we don't care at all about the majority in this country. The majority always gets what they want.
5: Not now. What we
2: care about is the individual. It's the part. It's the things that make you different from everybody right. else that you have to be protected. The we, person we care about is the uh, is the individual who is not just like us. So we have to the, really fight for the rights of. I don't care if it's one person in a town of twenty thousand that goes. I'm, I'm not really into
5: okay, this. So what about then? Are the what about the person who is the pharmacist who says, I am not going to write that prescription? Absolutely, because... absolutely is right. Absolutely, absolutely is right. I'm not going to write the. drug not write that prescription. Do not, not write, write, that, prescription. To, do not to, write that prescription.
2: If I own the pharmacy, I can fire you. Yes. But that's all we got. No, right. absolutely. And you're not going to catch me on the other side because right. and, I really and, believe And the this Catholic process. hospitals that are being absolutely, forced. they can do whatever they want. Absolutely. Just don't take any government money, and you do whatever you want you you take the government money out it's a conservative issue it's not a liberal issue take the government money out and do whatever you want Boy Scouts of America they leave out gays they leave out atheists I'm totally okay with that but you don't get to do your jamborees on public land that's all I'm saying have your have your uh, have your public uh, your private clubhouses you don't get to do it on private on public land anything else you want to do is fine and uh all it comes down to is don't vote to beat up the person different from you. We do not want to be a country of bullies. You don't want to be in that
5: town. You, and say, you say that taking money away from the rich, you're being a bully?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, yes, you know, we, the reason they want to go to the 2% is that there are fewer of them.
5: Right. It's, easy. it's easy to bully.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's, you know uh, I really believe that you should not, my feeling of government force, my feeling about government force is the government has a monopoly on force. It's the only thing that's allowed to use force. If you and I have an argument. We're not allowed to, except in self-defense. The government can use force. And I believe that the government should only use force in things that I'd be willing to lose, use force.
5: No, uh, they, I'm willing to I use force. I believe they're not, you're not, you cannot give the government a power that you yourself don't have. Exactly. So I will give the government
2: the power to stop rape. Yes. To stop murder. Right. I will, I would, if I have a gun, I would not use that gun to build the library. I would not use that gun to put up a nativity scene. I would not use that gun to take your money and give it to someone else. If you're being injured, if you're being attacked, if things are being stolen from you, I will use that gun. I mean, Leaving aside the fact that I'm a coward. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But that is my definition. So when you say, you know, who cares about this, who cares becomes very important. When it's the government, because we've given the government a monopoly on force. So it can never be taken lightly.
5: Back in just a second.
2: Never be taken lightly.
5: And we're back
0: right now. Isn't that an interesting discussion, Robert? That discussion reminded me, uh,
3: reminded me of you and I and our friends from about 25 years ago. Oh, my
0: goodness, that was my first comment. I was going to say that <laughs> oh, that sorry. was exactly like the comment, conversations we were having 20 and 30 years ago, without really having had the experience of knowing how those ideas, a the theory, would actually translate into practice. Now, we've had 30 years of experience that no one else on the face of this planet has had no, we're with regard to, to these unique. ideas. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I'm sort of favorably... In a sentimental way, remember libertarianism is sentimental. I, I'm kind of leaning their way, but they've got so so many things confused that, it, that it's going to really set them in the wrong, in the wrong direction. Now we just heard that was those were the voices of Glenn Beck and Penn Gillette in a discussion they had just this past December on The Blaze, which is Beck's uh, variety talk show. Now it's important to understand they got together as atheist and Christian who have decided, yeah, we can walk the same road towards freedom together, right, under uh, a common banner of freedom that uh, ended up being called libertarianism by the both of them, and which prompted Paul McKeever, Freedom Party leader and sometime co-host here on the show, to post an open letter to both Beck and Gillette on his blog back on January 5th, and I'll be getting to that uh, in the next part of the program. But uh, you're right, this was just like a conversation that we used to have, and I thought we should just review what we just heard and maybe comment on where we would change things a little. Now, Gillette said, you want to use, and I'm quoting him here, as little government force as possible. You want as much freedom as possible. And then he says, let's say there's one guy in the town who's not like us and says, I'm not really into this. All it comes down to is don't vote to beat up the person that's different from you. We don't want to be bullies. Now, I agree with all that as far as it goes, okay? And he says the government has a monopoly to use force. Government should only use force in things that I'd be willing to use force for. Well, meaning you can't give rights to the government that you don't have, right? Mm -hmm. Or, Or give government that authority, which is what Beck said. And that was correct, too. And he says it's a conservative. It's not a liberal issue. Yet... Both are talking about libertarianism, although in what you just heard, they didn't use the word explicitly, as they will in the upcoming excerpt that you'll hear. But the arguments you just heard on the use of government force or government money are those of a libertarian, Gillette, and of a conservative, Beck. And we'll be hearing, of course, from, from more of them a little bit later on. Okay, so we want as much freedom as possible by using as little government force as possible. Pen Gillette's direct quote. And don't be surprised if you've heard me say something similar to that sentiment in the past, because I have, okay. But here's the problem. If, quote, all it comes down to, end quote, is not voting to beat up the person different from you, as Gillette asserts, and as I would once have said in my libertarian days, spelt D A Z E, yeah. then then you haven't even begun to address the proper use of government force. Let's go back to the basic premise of Glenn Beck's original example, which the libertarian in Gillette just dismissed out of hand by suggesting as long as the government or public property isn't involved, everything's okay. Well, Beck opened that segment with an example of a total private effort taken upon by the people in the town, but paid with their own money, putting Christmas decorations up, I guess, in this case. But Gillette objected based on the fact that it was on, quote, public property. Well, my first question is, who determines the proper and legitimate use of public property? Isn't that up to the elected officials who determine who and under what conditions public property can be used? After all, in Beck's example, the private, meaning, and by private we mean privately paid for and administered, okay? The the private use of public property would not incur any extra expense or violate any further rights of Gillette. Otherwise... What is the proper use of public property in Gillette's eyes? Isn't driving your own private vehicle on the public road (laughs) exactly the same thing as private citizens decorating the parks with their own money? How is that different? Uh, you know, somebody has to... Permission. Deter- yeah, you have to have the permission. License. Oh, well... It's actually use of, a good use of that word, by the way. Well, again, they are getting right to the point. It's not public property. There's, there's his first mistake. It's there government property. It's bingo. Biggest, biggest mistake libertarians make. It's government property, and it's always the owner, not the user, who determines what the owner, what the own property will be used for. Now, making this distinction alone solves a myriad of issues and contradictions that are totally unresolvable by libertarian logic. If a libertarian objects to public parks being paid for by tax dollars, then any use of that public park by anyone for any purpose should be equally objectionable. How can you separate setting, you know, putting Christmas (laughs) decorations up there? What, does he want then, because it's a public park, we should only spend public money on things we do there? Does that make it better for him? I don't see that. You know what? Most people think public property is is really equal and free access to most people. That's what they think of as public property. And that could be private, privately owned or publicly owned, as in government owned. Now, how are the Christmas decorations of the Christians in the public park in any way impeding his equal access, his free access to the park? I don't see it. I suppose if you wanted to make his point, the libertarian atheist could visit the same public park and, say, erect a statue or decoration to the goddess Venus if you wanted to, or something like that. Then the real issue involved with the common use of property would become visible. It wouldn't be about religion versus non-religion anymore, and not hidden hidden behind this Christian versus atheist, which is just a diversion from the real issue. Who gets to use the property? The person who owns it. End of story. He, he establishes it. I could go on and on with more property examples, but that's not even my main point, because we're talking about, about government force. Now suppose that those private citizens having not voted to beat up the person who's different from them since according that's all it takes right that's all it takes just don't vote to beat them up it's okay so they vote they voted not to vote (laughs) okay but instead they decide to privately beat the person up who's different from them they didn't vote for the government to do it now what do you say about using government force where are you now if freedom is objective then the life, liberty, and property of that single individual who's being attacked by the majority collective has to be protected by the force of law. You need more government force, not less if you want to defend or protect the right of the individual who's being attacked by the mob. If you want to protect freedom, that's a big if. A government has to be willing to use such force against a mob even if it means that its use of force may result in injury or death. Because when the government kills someone who's in the defense of another's life, liberty and property it is the person being killed who is responsible for his or her own death not the agent of defense or retaliation we have to start realizing that we're right back you know we're back into the Idle No More rights violators and the Caledonia rights violators and the Occupy rights violators like a bunch of libertarians the police refuse to use force to protect both the public and the private properties involved and in so doing they destroyed freedom. That's what's happening. Unlike the liberal Pierre Trudeau who resorted to the direct use of force in the FLQ crisis that we covered a couple weeks ago. I don't recall him having to put up with that kind of crisis twice while he was in office. <laughs> <laughs> right We just watched him. Yes. When the lone individual whose rights Gillette wants to protect needs is what he needs is more government force, not less, right? And so, in other words, are you ready for this? More freedom through more government. (laughs) You heard it here first, but not for the first time. More freedom through proper government. Yes. Now, interesting, what what, what got me started on all this Glenn Beck stuff wasn't even this, this thing we just heard, this conversation. I actually ran across a National Post article, January 23rd, written by Katrina Clark, where... Uh, Glenn Beck apparently has proposed a 2 billion dollar version of utopia, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? As it was called in the National Post article headlined Another chance at the American dream, Clark reports that Glenn Beck's dream of a quote self-sustaining city and theme park hybrid called Independence USA would be v- built on values as he that he sees as freedom, truth, responsibility. The self-sustaining city would include a ranch for food production, a media center, a multi-denominational mission center, a theme park, a research and development center, a library parks, and baseball diamonds, kind of like downtown London. Sounds like Uh, a university. Yeah. It would have a communal marketplace, blah, 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 you know, and Americans could either live in the city's residential area or just come to visit. The concept, and here's the funny part, was partly inspired by Galt's Gulch. The utopian community in Ayn Rand's Atlas shrugged and by past initiatives proposed by Walt Disney. But unlike Disneyland, which Mr. Beck Beck's website describes as commercialized, Independence USA would be focused on community living and sharing knowledge. Sounds like a university. Yeah. Well, I think that's what he's that is what he's proposing. But I want to just Correct the myth that's falsely being perpetuated in this article, that Ayn Rand's um, Galt's Gulch was some kind of utopia. It was not, and if you Google her name, along with Galt's Gulch, you'll instantly discover how she worked constantly to make it clear that Galt's Gulch was just a private getaway for an exclusive group of people. It was private property. Sort of like spending your weekend at the Playboy Mansion or something like that, right? It wasn't a society unto itself. It's not a government, not a splinter society, or anything like that. It was just a rich businessman's private property in her fictional novel, Atlas Shrugged. Now, uh, to continue with the article here, author Bill Bishop said, uh, uh, Mr. Beck's Independence USA would be an extreme version of of a pre-existing trend. Bishop's book, The Big Sort, theorizes American communities are becoming more insular, and similar internally, and in turn, simultaneously, are looking more and more different from one another. As a result, red states are becoming redder and blue states are becoming bluer. And this is happening even at the neighborhood and city level. People are trying to find those places where they can find reinforcement from others who are like themselves. And there are risks with such insular communities. It's limiting what people see. Whenever you isolate yourself in a community that is increasingly like-minded, you'll have a limitation on the number of ideas that are available. Regardless of whether his proposal is built, Mr. Beck has articulated a concept many Americans may be eager to be part of, a second chance at the American dream. The streets weren't paved in gold, said Mr. Beck. They were paved in people's dreams and people's hard work. That is the goal, gold of America, to be able to pursue your dreams. And I do agree with that. But here is the great sad reality facing all of us who, as Jim Chapman used to like to call people of goodwill, and I would include both Beck and Gillette in that camp. I think they're looking for answers and are kind of on the right track, so I'm not doing this to criticize them. I'm trying to save them some time. Some, yes. of, the, some of the errors we made. So we're not here to say, ah, oh, we're right and you're wrong, you, you, you son of a gun. No, that's not what we're here to do. Um, and if you really want a tolerant for your society, I think this is this. You have to understand, not everybody agrees with you. Rights are an interesting notion, says the skin of evil in our opening drama scene today, which I do not share, he adds. And that's the same as every dictator in the world. They don't share that notion. The world is moving towards more government, not less. Higher taxes, not lower. More government restrictions, not fewer. More bans, not fewer. And not everyone's a person of goodwill, no matter how good, they, how nicely they smile at you. And we have to realize that. The people who want more government, higher taxes, more bans, are also split about evenly between Christians and atheists. It's not about that. They're, they're aligning themselves on a completely false alignment. Um, you know, they're consumed by the beast, fear, which has historically led groups of people into yearning for utopian solutions to their abject misery. The quasi-political criminal. I mean, that's pretty well what it's about. Let's continue with their discussion. This is, again, Glenn Beck and uh, Penn Gillette in the discussion they had last December.
5: I'd like to to see them because the government is growing day by day in astounding ways. Yeah, in, in ways that are not sustainable.
2: Which is, which, you know, there is, they can't keep doing it because money just runs out and it goes away. And it might get messy for a while, but it'll come out the other side much better. When we decide what we want to spend money on, uh, you know, we get down to defense, courts, police. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> that's you great. Know, we if have plenty convince, of money for that. If
5: you can convince
2: people to do that. You want to talk in theory. That's one of the ways we express ourselves is to talk in absolutes and purity. And then I'm willing to go really slow. I would just like to stop going that way.
5: <laughs> I am with
2: you. I would just like to go a little bit toward freedom. And you know, we can go toward freedom for a long time before you and I find one thing to disagree on. I agree. We can keep moving that way. And I by agree. the time we disagree, disagreeing, we are really happy.
5: Right. I we're agree. happy to have that disagreement. I agree. This is the kind of conversation that I want to have on on The Blaze in the coming year and um, in the coming years. Um, we have reached out to libertarians. We are starting to write more from a libertarian point of view. I'd love Penn to do a show on the network or write for The Blaze um, because we have to have a different kind of conversation and one that we don't necessarily, we're not going to agree on everything. But I'd rather have this kind of conversation than a conversation where you're being asked to. Um, uh, falsify what you believe in to win an election. Instead, I'd rather say I'm rather compromise here because I'm headed towards the Constitution, and that's at least the right direction. All right, uh, Kim. Um, You have a question or a comment.
2: Uh, More of a a comment. Um, Locally here, there has been a program developed that is for the involvement of neighborhoods. As far as planning and zoning, city council, other government meetings, a town is divided up in sections. Everybody in that section has a representative that goes to those meetings and reports back to their respective neighborhoods. That is how our neighborhoods got wind of certain programs that weren't going to be beneficial or- You're not saying
5: Agenda 21, are you? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah.
2: But it's, it's been a great local program right here in Texas. You know, I,
5: I will tell you that um, the founders talked about, Jefferson um, talked about towards the end of his life that he didn't put enough Deuteronomy in. Um, And the thing that they were looking for is they knew that gerrymandering would happen. And they said what has to happen is, the way Moses put it out, in in stakes. And that's a a group of 100 people, and as it grows to 100 people, you divide it, and you just keep dividing it. So everybody who is in your political ward, if you will, they know each other, because you're right on top of each other, so you're like-minded. And they're just squares. And he said someday, when this thing falls apart, they'll go back and do it the way Moses did it originally.
0: Oh my. I think their unison is already over. It's done. Does anybody really believe that going back to Moses and forcing people to believe, live in collectives of 100 <laughs> is in any way compatible with establishing a constitutional republic dedicated to life, liberty, and property? I have to tell you, if, it, if that had been me sitting there instead of Gillette, I think I would have realized we just reached the point where we've gone down that freedom road together, and now we have to part yes. <laughs> to disagree because <laughs> it's already over, you know. But then Gillette thinks that things will just be messy for a while, and that somehow we'll all come out of the mess, all dedicated to spending our tax dollars on defense, courts, and the police. And just how is that decision arrived at by majority rule? And how come we haven't made that decision already? Do we have to kill ourselves before we come to it? Is that how it works? You have to become the total alcoholic? alcoholic you know, you've got to hit bottom before you get better. Well, we're doing pretty good at hitting bottom. And, and and what about individualism and not allowing the majority to rule? You know, Paul McKeever, in his open letter to Penn Gillette, and Glenn Beck, expressed... A, an idea that I actually taught Paul, and he he regurgitated it back in a very interesting way. And he wrote to them and said, One cannot walk towards Graceland by walking away from Denver. (laughs) There's a minute, random chance that you'll end up at Graceland if you walk away from Denver, but you might just as well end up in Portland or New York City. (laughs) Likewise, you cannot walk towards individual freedom or a free society simply by walking away from government. Thomas Jefferson, writing to the King of Great Britain on behalf of the 13 British colonies, regrettably implied that the King's violations of the lives and liberty of the colonists had been carried out by a, quote, form of government. In truth, a group of people with guns who go about violating your life, liberty, and property is not any form of government at all. It's an organized criminal gang. If the Mafia ran a slate of candidates and became an elected majority... And then, that doesn't mean that writing laws allowing murder, extortion, and stealing are engaged in governance. (laughs) The violation of life, liberty, and property is never governance. It is a common and understandable mistake to adopt libertarianism and its call for less government. But if you want a free society, demand what it requires. A government. Let the battle cry be not, we have too much government and we want less. But rather, we have no government, and our, and our freedom requires that we form one now to defend every person's life, liberty, and property in the pursuit of happiness. Advocates of freedom must take proud ownership of the words governance and government. They must refute that what opponents of freedom want is governance or government at all. So that was his, you know, just a part of his, his letter. What Paul is concluding here is that the very people we might conclude who want more government, because they want to redistribute the wealth, really don't want any government at all. They just want something for nothing. That's what they're really after. And it's funny, because today you'll find people who call themselves libertarians in all political camps, not in ours, interestingly enough, in Freedom Party, which is really interesting. Um, And I suppose uh, that shouldn't be too surprising, since from its founding days, it was a party that insisted there is a specific and limited purpose to government. So it should come as no surprise that those who believe there's no purpose to government, libertarians, or that we just need less of it, or those who believe there can be any purpose to government would shun Freedom Party, (laughs) because that's not us. Libertarian objections to the Freedom Party idea that there is essentially only one philosophy capable of achieving the conditions of a free society. That's the Achilles' heel of the whole movement. And that's the Achilles' heel of what Glenn Beck and Pen are talking about. You simply cannot walk towards the road to freedom with people who simply are not headed in the same direction. It isn't happening. The big tent keeps collapsing every time the big red wind blows. And the association of any conservative or libertarian parties with the four pillars of freedom, you know, reality, reason, self-consent, is absurd. It's absurd on the face of it. You don't hear them talking like that. Force is not the essential issue, even though it's a fundamental component of any government or of any thug. The issue is never about force, per se, but about whether that force serves the interests of governance or thuggery. Once again, libertarianism reveals itself to be mere sentiment. And that's all I've got to say on that, yeah, You said it very well, Bob. Thank you, Robert. And I think that's it for today as we continue our journey in the right direction for another week. See you next week when we'll continue that journey. Until then, you know what to do. See you.
1: Fade into color Color
5: into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be all right It is well known that the mariner who steers his ship on another's course cares not if the ship hits the sand